G'day legends and welcome back to the Press Room Podcast presented by Zwift. So good to be back after a little hiatus following our summer season, but this is episode 67 and it's all about gravel. That is right. The gravel season is here. It's been kicking off in the US with the Lifetime Grand Prix Series starting. The Belgian Waffle Ride has been kicking off. Uh, the rides around Europe now starting to open up. The gravel season has begun and Australia opens up its gravel account with its first UCI Gravel World Series race of the season, and that is, of course, Seven. Now, Seven Gravel Race is based in WA, and in 2026, uh, everyone, it's going to host the World Gravel Championship. So absolutely massive, and of course, you can see why I'm so excited about this race. I love uh, gravel cycling. I love doing the commentating on gravel cycling. I've done, I think, five races now uh, around Australia, and of course, I do the home races here uh, in WA, but um, yeah, each year this race is just growing more and more and more. And since securing the World Championships uh, last year for the 2026 calendar, um, you can just imagine that the organisers are really trying to grow this race and the town that it's hosted in at a nice steady rate. So once we get to 2026, um, the town can, of course, host everyone that's going to be frothing in and, of course, um, you know, coordinate a world championships. But also the race can accommodate that and grow its staff, its resources um, that it can use to help make the race a successful event. So super exciting. That is what we're talking about today. Um, if you're from the East Coast, like many of you are, most of you are actually, and, of course, the international listeners, Nanup is a small town uh, about three and a half hours from Perth. So three and, a half, three and a half hours drive. It's a pretty nice drive to get there. And if you've ever heard of Margaret River, it's about 30 k's from there, which is a popular wine destination. But Nanup is like an old timber sort of logging town. That was why it sort of exists, um, which now, of course, um, you know, moved away from, from those sort of industries. And Nanup kind of stands on its own two feet now as a bit of a tourist hub, especially for biking. There's a really, really good mountain bike park with some crazy downhill tracks, um, some brand new ones just built. Uh, the Mundabidi Trail goes through there. There's mountain biking trails, there's walking trails. The Biberman Track goes through as well, or goes near there as well. And um, it's just a really nice region to come through. Um, and they have rally racing on there as well. So it's a really good um, recreational hub these days. And the Seven Gravel Race, well, uh, I think it's its eighth year now, it uses the roads um, of the old logging timber industries. So it's it's in this picturesque, beautiful forest sort of forestry section. And the roads that the vehicles will use to transport the timber and the, and the trees out of where they're cutting them down or used to, etc., those roads are what we're racing on. And I tell you what, if you haven't seen the scenery already, first of all, okay, Go to uh, the Seven Gravel Race uh, page on Instagram or my uh, Pressure Podcast page and check out the reels of the race. Uh, look for the reels and you'll see the scenery because we just have some amazing shots of the race going through there, um, and you get a you get a feel for just how crazy it is, uh, you know, scenic wise and terrain wise. Um, and also, if you haven't watched it already, go and watch my race highlights video from last year. We had full coverage and it's a bit of a GCN style package. Um, uh, look out for that. Just go to most sort by most viewed because this is the most viewed video I have, and it's a ripper. And we'll be doing the same again this year. So make sure you look out for the Pressure Podcast YouTube channel because on Sunday I will be grinding the edit to get the race commentary highlights we've done. But legends, 
We've got Tiffany Cromwell on. She's flown over, of course, just given up the World Tour calendar because the UCI Gravel World Series is huge, and she has made Australia her first, her first stop, and she's racing here with amongst a few other big hitters, like Nico Roach is coming as well uh, across from Europe. He's obviously really keen on uh, racing the World Series of Gravel. And then we have quite a big host of hitters coming across from the east coast of Australia. Um, really some of the biggest names, including Adam Blazevich, who won last year. We have Matthew Bird, who's been sort of top tenning most of the races he enters. Uh, we have Tasman Dan Curvis, who's a very, very, um, very skilled mountain biker and gravel racer as well. We have Reese Topknot, who's he's a WA boy, but lives in Canberra for some reason. We have, um, who else is there? There's a few others. I'm forgetting off the top of my head. Courtney Sherwell's coming across. Um, and, of course, we mentioned we've got Tiff Cromwell on. So there's a whole host of people coming in to race this race, uh, around 13, 1,400 entrants, I'm told, and just absolutely crazy. So we're super excited. The race is 125 kilometres with 3,500 metres vertical. Uh, it's really a course that's never up. Well, it's never up. It's never flat, it's just up or down, uh, relentless climbs. The technical ability required is certainly there because the, the, the gravel that we have here in WA, particularly in the southwest where this race is held, well, it's, uh, it's very good when it's been raining because it's sort of that orangey sort of pea gravel style. And when it's been raining, that gets quite compacted and you're just sort of left with a thin sort of light layer of gravel, gravel over the top of that. And it is very good to ride on and you can kind of, um, yeah, you can get really comfortable with it. Uh, in the summertime, when it hasn't been raining, that gravel dries out and becomes very, very loose. So um, we're lucky that in the last sort of three months, last three weeks, sorry, last three weeks, there's been a bit of rain down in Nanup, so I think the material and the surface is going to be very, very good to race on. So, very excited. Um, of course, we'll get to the Tiffany uh, combo in a very short moment, but just want to do a quick little preview for those of you who are very interested to see how the front of the race is going to play out. I'm going to be on the back of an ATV at the front of the race, so I will get to see um, everything. I can't wait, but in terms of the women's race and the men's, it's all combined, right? So the women's, of course, have their own race, but no doubt Tiffany Cromwell is the hot favourite. She's won the Belgian Walker Ride before. She's obviously uh, made the gravel of priority for her. We'll, we'll hear more about that in our um, podcast. But she's the favourite, but she's going to have to look out for some very, very strong Australians here in WA and from the East Coast. Um, Courtney Sherwell is um, maybe she might be the best of the rest. It's gonna be close, but she's obviously from the East Coast. She's won quite a few gravel races on the east side of Australia. Cassia Boglio is riding very, very well. She obviously used to ride for AG Next Generation, the European um, Pro Tour women's team. Um, now she rides for the, um, forget it, Knights of Suburbia. Um, and she's coming off a good result at Grafton where she was kind of best of the rest from the Bridge Lane girls that went one, two, three. Darcy Richards, another very, very talented um, young woman and she's really, uh, really solid in the gravel scene as well. She, Darcy, raced uh, the World Championships of gravel last year, uh, coming 33rd, which is an absolutely stomping result. So the harder the race, the better Darcy gets is what I always say. And um, yeah, there's a host of others that'll be right truly up there, but I think uh, Darcia, Cassia, and Courtney and Tiffany will be at the front of the race. And I think in regards to where they would finish with the men, 
overall. I think Tiffany's going to be in that sort of P10 to P15 posse. And I think uh, Courtney, Das, and Cassia, they're going to be around that sort of maybe P20 to P30. I think they're going to sit in that sort of group. So group two, group three on the road uh, or on the gravel um, in, the, in sort of the overall spectrum, which is just insane. And let me tell you, everyone that's listening, if you finish in the top 50 here, you're an outstanding bike rider, uh, male or female, absolutely crazy. So um, it's a real, real uh, fantastic result if you do. Um, outside of completing your own goals, of course. And in the men's last year, we had um, Adam Blazovic just stomp away. Uh, he went solo from kilometre zero. Nathan Haas bridged to him uh, at about 80 kilometres to go, dropping everyone that was with him. And then Adam dropped Haas, uh, Nathan, not too long after that and continued solo to win by a couple of minutes. So Adam is the hot favourite and he, in my mind, and I pay a lot of attention to all this stuff, um, he is definitely the best gravel racer in Australia. Um, I think he's one up on Trekkie, I really do, but they haven't gone head-to-head yet. But Adam's definitely in favourite to go back-to-back, uh, but gravel can be interesting. Anything can happen, and there's a host of male competitors that can take him on. Matthew Bird, uh, Tasman and Curvis, we talked about Rhys Tucknot already. Um, those three super strong. Connor Sands, I found out, is also racing. He is a demon on the gravel, and I wouldn't be surprised if he goes very early in this race for a little early breakaway. I've seen him do it before. Uh, on one of the East Coast races, the Dirty Warning. Um, and then from WA, yeah, there's, there's been a few hitters, of course. I'm not sure if Theo Yates is, is racing. He was the previous winner uh, three or two years ago. But Mark Chong is the man on everyone's lips uh, here in WA, a mystery man, because he doesn't really race any of the road events or the cyclocross often or... Um, our criterium so he just rolls around and i know mark you have to have to talk to him but he just rolls around on the top bunches during uh, the week on his tcx like we're talking 43 45 comma an hour average bunches you know your fastest that you got and he's chopping off on that tcx he's glued to it he's always on it you just see him out there training the house down he won the gravel race uh a bit of a prelude in nana uh a month ago but lighter field, so it'd be interesting to see how Mark Chong goes um, against sort of the East Coast lads. But Legends, that's the preview. It's 125 kilometres, 3,500 metres of vertical, and don't forget, there's 14, 1,300 people uh, entering. I'm sure many of you are listening now, um, and you've got your own goals. It might be top 100, um, place in your age category, beat your time from last year, or even complete a distance above years before if you'd done three, five. Um, the distances, uh, the other distance options. But um, good luck for your events uh, and your challenges, your goals. Uh, even just finishing seven is a crazy event because it is a absolutely feral bike race. But um, yeah, legends. Can't wait. It's going to be fantastic. I hope you enjoy this chat with Tiffany Cromwell. She's a gravel expert. She's very talented. Um, and she had a few tips for you guys out there as well. So, all right, legends. I'll see you on the other side. You'd, you'd be back and forth between what Europe, America, Australia. Yeah. Oh. And it gets worse because then I go from here back to Europe and then two weeks in Europe, then back to America, <laughs> then back to Europe. But, Does the yeah. travel ever get easier? Uh, yeah. You know, if you're smart with like when you do sleeping and stuff like that and if you get your flights in the right way, then it's not too bad. Like 
to be fair, even though the flight was long to come here from Miami, it was pretty easy because it was like just two long flights and yeah, mm. easy travel. It wasn't stressful or anything. So, okay, what was the um, what was the riding like in Miami? <laughs> Bearable. Oh, was it? <laughs> it? It wasn't all bad. Like, yeah, Miami is pretty busy, so it's you know, when you go out to the Everglades, we did one day out there, and that was. There was some all right gravel out there, which was good. And apparently there's like a whole bunch you can do out there, like dead flat, but at least you know you're away from the traffic. But if you're staying just in downtown Miami, then it's basically keep your skiing, you just do laps. But one day I did a longer ride where we started to keep your skiing, then I just went south and that wasn't too bad because it, it got quieter the further south you went, and then that was all right. It's just, you know, Miami is a city, so it's a lot of traffic lights and a lot of traffic. Yeah. So it's yeah, you go either early or you yeah, need to like if you have to cross up, for example, to go up to the Everglades, then it's about 30k of hecticness. So I avoided that. But then yeah, go and keep your staying. You know, it's like a 15k lap or something you can do. Which, yeah, if you need to do your work and get your training done, it's all right. And but yeah, <laughs> not not the most exciting, but it was good weather, so that was nice. Yeah. Okay. So you're in well, you're in Perth now, aren't you? Yeah. Well, I've just arrived down in and up now. Just in that. Are you at the Holbury House? Holbury? Like, it's is it like family. an old school looking place? No, it's it's the Gibbs family. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Never mind. The, the interior looks like a, a hotel down there. Oh, okay. No, Have it's you been to, um, Perth before. Yeah, a few times. But the last time I was here was 2019, I think, start 2019. Oh. But like, I raced, you know, Perth tour back in the day and I've, yeah, come out here a couple of times because I've yeah friends in Perth, but yeah, it's been a while. Oh, that's awesome! Cool. No, I don't think I've asked anyone that's has been to Perth before recently, anyway. But um, how did you hear about Seven? When did you first hear about it? Yeah, well, obviously I saw it pop up last year. Um, obviously it was UCI gravel race last year, and I know Nathan Hath Nathan Hass came out and did it, and you know I saw some of the content and. Yeah, it looked like a decent race and well run and things like that. And then also Stephen Gallagher, who works with the Canyon Tram Racing team, he's heavily involved and he had obviously talked about it. And then, yeah, there was the opportunity to come out this year. Initially, I was I was keen, but just wasn't sure how it was going to line up with you know my my racing schedule. And yeah, then in the end, we we've been able to make it work. And because obviously I'm still racing road, but then yeah, doing gravel as well. So. This year I wanted to structure it where I was doing like, you know, good solid roadblocks and then also good solid gravel blocks like together. Whereas like last year when I did it, it was kind of like I'd have the road and then I'd do like two gravel races in a period of four or five weeks. So then I was having two big gaps. So yeah, this year now I'm clumping it together and yeah, seven fit in nicely at the start of that. Yeah, right. Okay. And I was going to ask that actually about with your road and your gravel calendar. Does, does your team like... Do they want you to prioritise your, like, form for the road races or are they happy for you to, like, make sure you're going well for the gravel races even if it means that you might miss some road races or maybe not be as fresh for them? Or have you just, like, how does that work? Uh, we have a good good balance um, because, yeah, me doing gravel is actually the team's idea when I re-signed end of 2020, I think it was. Oh. Um, so, of course, there's been a bit of learning of how we do it because when I do the gravel stuff, it's a lot of it is organized by myself, my management team, like yeah. the team, the Canyon Shram team, they're not really involved with that because they've got too many other things to worry about. Yeah. So then it's about us looking at the calendar as a whole and saying, okay, 
what ones are out there, which ones shall we do, which are important to our sponsors, because um, they also have a lot of say as well of which ones they want me to do. Um, and then, yeah, obviously for me, road is still a priority, but it's then choosing the right races, which is the priority. Um, you know, I like the classics, so it's like, okay, get them out of the way and then, yeah, okay, May is a bit busy on the roadside, but then at the same time for me, it's a time where I want to race the gravel. So, yeah, it, it's a bit of back and forth with the team and finding that right balance of, you know, then they we have enough riders on the road so I can do these blocks. And, yeah, it's, as we say, it's just working together of what's the optimal race schedule um, between the two. At least now there's more gravel race coming to Europe, which makes it a bit easier. But, you know, the first two years when I was doing it, it was like majority of the race were in America and, you know, doing trips to the US every month is pretty challenging. Yeah, for sure. Has Stephen given you any inside goss uh, about the course or the terrain or anything like that? Have you been given any intel? Yeah, he's definitely given me a bit of like a heads up of what it's like and more so just with, with the equipment side because, you know, with gravel there's there's tyres and there's tyres, there's the gear ratios because <laughs> I ride the Shram one by. So, yeah. you know, choosing the right front chain ring because obviously 1044 is all right, but, you know, if the course isn't that hilly, then it's easy. But, you know, when you've got hills there, it's you really need to choose what you're going to run on the front. Um, and then, yeah, as we say, the tyre side. So he helped give some advice on I was like, should I run these ones or these ones? Because I'm fortunate to have some options to choose from. And and yeah, but um, other than that, yeah, it's just from, you know, I've got the DPX course and things like this, but I'll go ride some of it tomorrow just to kind of get a feeling of what the gravel is actually like. Because it's also like, you know, gravel here versus gravel yeah. in Europe, versus gravel uh-huh. in America, all all quite different. Yeah, for sure. Did you? And by the way, everyone listening doesn't know Stephen's the Stephen Gallagher is one of the coaches at um, Canyon Tram, and also he's the race director of uh, of Seven and one of the course designers. So, um, just FYI. But would you bring? Um, uh, would you have like? What do you got? Like four different sets of tires to choose from, or two options, three options? Um. Well, it depends how many I had at home. Like we're sponsored by Schwalbe, so. I'm lucky that I can just say, okay, can I have X, Y, and Z? But this time around, it was okay. I had a few different versions at home and I only bought two with me, but it was like more one of the, the G Pro RS, G1 Pro RS, I think. Yeah. You know, they're, they're fastest one. Yeah. And then I also took one with a bit more tread as well, which is the Overland one. And I thought those would be the best too because I obviously didn't want to travel with like 10 sets of tires, but, you know, narrowed it down to say, okay, yeah. yeah 40 mils and then one with a bit more grip and one which is a full racing one but with that one you you can't have it too sharper rocks and stuff or else i think it punctures quite easy but mm. good one when it's like a fast gravel mm. i've spoken with a few other uh canyon sponsored athletes and also other canyon riders and um uh, a few others have actually done gravel as well and some of them had chosen the uh, the Grail and others were riding the Grizzle, and um, I basically got the same answer from both as to why they they uh, chose each one. But I wanted to know why do you race on the um, on the Grail rather than the Grizzle? Was it a choice, or have you ridden both? Well, I actually have both of them, and I oh. do use both on different races. Um, yeah, as you say, like some is because so for a while there they wanted me as like the face of the Grail, so that's why I was using that one, and that was. First one, that's what they say is a more racy one, but yeah. 
some people don't like the handlebars on the grail, so then that's why you choose a grizzle. The grizzle is meant to be a bit more robust, so if it is a bit more harsher terrain, then it's meant to be a bit stronger for that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. The other benefit for me if I use a grizzle is because, I don't know if I'm supposed to say this, but, yeah, because we run 650B if you're a 2XS or 3XS frame, which is myself, but with the grizzle you can run 700s, providing you know it's not super super muddy or something like that. So yeah. then I might opt for the grizzle just so, so I can have the bigger wheels so then I can have better, like, you know, I like to run the 353 zips, for example. Mm. You know, and then also your ratios are different as well because the 650B, you also have to have different, different, yeah, set up on the gearing versus the 700s. Um, so, yeah, that's another reason to choose one versus the other. and Or it just depends where my bikes are. Like <laughs> right now, this the Grail Grizzle had been in America since last year, so I just collected that. And so then naturally I've flown with that over to here to seven just because of logistics mm-hmm. um so yeah sometimes if i want to leave one somewhere and one somewhere else it would just be yeah because for me i like to ride both of them they both mm-hmm. feel good one yeah is definitely a bit shorter versus that one's a little bit longer a little bit more like my road bike um so yeah they're both a little bit different but riding wise they're both good in their own rights Okay. Well, they definitely look amazing. They're they're a beautiful looking bike, Daniel. So you can all, you can all agree on that. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask is: last year, of all the gravel events you did, because we talk about gravel a lot with lots of different riders, and I've commentated a few races um, as well around Australia. And I always ask, what's the most challenging gravel race that you've um, that you've ridden so far? I would say BWR San Diego last year. Like, oh. I think it's the longest time hours-wise I've ever been on a bike. It was uh-huh. seven and a half or eight hours, something like this. Yeah. Like, that's the one thing I would say I don't enjoy about gravel is these uber-long distances. Um, but, yeah, with that one, because, you know, they like to call themselves a unroad road race. They don't like to call themselves a gravel race. So then, but this last year they had taken out some road sectors and put in, like, some more gravel and but they had like some pretty gnarly like mountain bike sections in yeah. there as well which was you know quite rocky and quite technical in sections it was also very up and down and I think distance wise it was 210 215k I want to say but yeah I was broken at the end and yeah I started all right and then I went through that phase of just like hit the brick wall this that and I was sitting third for ages and I had two catch me towards the end I was like no I want to stay on the podium and then I had to fight all the way and even the finish there's a little cycling cross sector which was good for me because it was technical so I was able to still get the podium but I was so broken after that race I'd say that one definitely (laughs) is probably the hardest and I think that's just because it wasn't just fast gravel it had as you said like these small single track sections as well which again it benefits me because I think technically I'm pretty good Mm -hmm. um but, you know, it, it's different. It means a bit slower riding in, in parts and more concentration and when you're getting more tired. And mm. and even, like, towards the end, there was, like, this brutally steep and hard climb, like, about 10K to go, which, yeah, was just enough to, like, help put the nail in the coffin even more. But, <laughs> yeah. You, you always go through, like, waves in the big, long races, gravel or road, don't you? Like, you're feeling great and you're feeling rubbish. Um, you come back and then... Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the Belgium Waffle Ride BWR, in case people didn't know, but I remember Freddie over I think he might have raced that as well, and he said he wished he had a mountain bike because um, some of those parts were 
Yeah, super, super rocky. Another question, right? So, uh, you know, there's maybe like 12 or 1,300 people riding and, you know, probably the outside of the top 70 riders, most are trying to, you know, either finish, uh, beat their time from last year, um, you know, uh, maybe do a further distance because there's three distances you can do in this race. Um, but what tips could you give some of the riders out there who um, maybe not necessarily competing um, against anyone, but they're sort of trying to beat their own personal goals and just trying to finish? Any tips out there for their own? Yeah. Firstly, I would say have fun. That's yeah. the spirit of gravel. You know, that's why we ride bikes. It's like, okay, have fun, but also, you know, challenge yourself in ways that you want. Then it's like the biggest thing is fueling, you know. If you don't fuel early, then that's when you pay for it later. Um, and that's the thing that gets you through to the end, like having enough liquid, having enough carbs, like, and continue doing it. Like even if you're not hungry, like that's what gets you through and keeps you going at a consistent rate. And then I'd say riding within your limits because, you know, if it's, for example, longer than you've ever done, if you go too hard too early, then for sure you're also going to feel it towards the end. Whereas if, you know, you kind of like ride hard but still leave that little bit like for the ladder in the ladder part of the race and that's also really important I think but yeah it's just kind of breaking it down as well and saying okay let's get through the first 20k then the next 30 then the next you know and just almost segmenting it into like into smaller parts that you can focus on and then yeah then that way it's easier to get through the versus trying to say all right well, it's 125k, but three is it 3,000 meters of climbing or something? Yeah. Um, you know, if you look at that as a whole, you're like, oh, this is a lot. Whereas if you break it down to smaller segments, then you can yeah focus on each section like individually. Well, that's pretty good advice. I hope you're all listening because most people will be listening to this on the drive down, no doubt. Uh, critical, critical tips. When you finish, so the end of the race, regardless of what's happened, right? And this might apply to every race, but I want to know about this particular weekend. What do you think will be the first thing you'll want to see at the finish line? Well, the post-race beer, obviously. I don't <laughs> know if they do have the UCI ones, but that's like the US style, even though I don't really drink beer. But um, otherwise, what I want to see is the finish line and then some good food. Um, yeah. Yeah, good answer. Cold. If if it's hot, then you want to like just jump in a pool or something like this, or like a lake, or. Mm. But I don't think it'll be that hot. But yeah, just I just <laughs> want to not see my bike normally after after the finish. <laughs> yeah, just put the bike down for a moment. Thank you so much for your time. Um, yeah, it was really cool to hear your insight and good luck for Saturday. I'll see you down there. No worries. Um, thank you. Yeah, it should be good weekend out and good luck to everybody racing all right legends that's another episode of the press room podcast done and dusted big thanks to tiffany cromwell for coming on the podcast after a huge travel schedule um and thanks to maz as well her manager for helping me set this one up absolutely awesome uh, for her to give up her time and uh thanks to you guys for listening hope you're enjoying the drive if you're driving down and if you're uh paying attention to the uh, race results over east um, and you want to get updated make sure you're following the seven gravel race facebook page because i'll be on the back of a um an all-terrain vehicle ute thing i think it's called a gator 
and I'll be filming the race as it's happening from the front and we'll be updating with little clips uh, sort of every um, key moment of the race. So try and get them out every couple of minutes as the coverage allows. So we're gonna post that on Facebook because then we can use the, um, uh, you know, we can go horizontal uh, with our video scope. So it should be really cool. Add some commentary over the top while I'm in there. So look out on the Facebook page of Seven Gravel Race and that's how you'll get your updates on Saturday. Um, for race day, it's going to be absolutely amazing. And then, well, I'm thinking it's going to be the winner of the men's anyway. Adam uh, Blazovic and I will do a podcast recapping the race on the drive back on Saturday night. So that'll probably come out on Monday morning, and um, we'll recap how the race went. And who knows, we could be driving home with the winner of the men's anyway. So, legends, um, yeah, thanks again for listening. We'll kick off some more episodes in the next fortnight and get stuck into some of our favourites on the pod. We'll return a few guests and do a bit of shit talk as usual. Kel O'Brien will be up next, and and boy, have we got some shit to talk. All right, legends, see you on the other side. Thanks for listening.